Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. All right. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for, for coming. Uh, very excited to have uh, my dear friend, Amanda Gilbert, with us today. Amanda and I have been able to uh, teach for Inside LA this past year. We've been doing some two-day retreats at Benedict Canyon. It's super fun. Um, yeah, a little bit about Amanda is she's cool. That's the first <laughs> one. She's cool. And uh, that's all that needs to be said. But um, yeah, so she's a mindfulness uh, researcher. She is a former professor at USC teaching uh, mindfulness. She is the author of this super rad book, mm -hmm. Kindness Now. It's a Shambhala uh, publication. Um, yeah, uh, it's like a, Shambhala also did Loving Kindness, Sharon exactly. Salzberg, right? Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So Kindness Now, it's on the Brahma Baharas. It's a really beautiful work. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, lucky to have her today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Aww. Thank you, Casey, and thank you so much for the beautiful offering of practice that has landed us into um, this moment together here, Sunday morning, really resting in the preciousness of this time in community. I wanted to offer some reflections on the heart this morning, just really um, focusing upon what it means, what it can mean to meet the content of our lives, the matter of our inner world, really, with the medicine of the heart, with the medicine of the Brahma Viharas or the heart practices of mindfulness meditation. I first wanted to offer a story, though, that's a personal story and a very um, you know, one that really shaped uh, me in my earlier practice path. Um, I love the instructions that Casey offered during our sit around really resting in this gentleness, really resting in that nourishing field of gentleness, which happens when we do uh, holistically place our attention in the present moment, but with that quality of tenderness, that quality of welcoming, that quality of being with whatever it is that arises. And I don't know about you, but during a few moments during our sits, I felt that wave of ease, that wave of gentleness. Doesn't mean the content the thoughts, you know, maybe weren't rising and falling or the little prickliness of moods or pains weren't there, but something, you know, in a sense, when we place our attention fully in the present moment, but also with these qualities of the heart, we're able to be with the content of our lives in just a, perhaps a more skillful and wiser way. So early on in my meditation path, I was really focused in on mindfulness practice, wonderfully so, present moment awareness practices. I spent like the first seven to nine years um, really getting enamored with, with 
placing my attention in the present moment, doing so in a way where I was growing my foundation of practice and presence and my foundation of mindfulness in the breath and mindfulness in the body. I found this to be a really rich chapter in my practice path. Um, I'm thankful for it because uh, looking back now, I realized that I was able to grow a relationship with concentration, you know, a relationship with understanding what it was like to have stability and steadiness in my mind and to have my mind actually anchored in the present moment. And I also understood um, what it was like to not have my attention fully anchored in the present moment and the difference, the dichotomy between those two ways of being and those two ways of experiencing my life. So through mindfulness of the breath and mindfulness of, of body and mindfulness of emotions and mindfulness of thinking, the four uh, foundations of mindfulness really from the classic Theravada perspective and body of teachings. Um, I spent, again, seven to nine years just really getting to know myself, really getting to know my inner world. And again, what it was like to have a sense of presence established in the present moment, truly and genuinely. But then what started to happen was um, I started to notice that I was becoming really aware rather self-aware of my, you know, my patternings of mind, my habits of mind. I was really aware of, especially the way I was talking to myself in my own mind, the inner critic. I started to get to know that tone, that flavor of voice quite, quite well. And, you know, I also started to realize just really the depth of self-judgment that could be present at times in my practice, even oriented and pointed towards my own practice. Um, you know, that, that layer of expectation that we, that sometimes can arise in, even in the field of our meditation practice. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I don't feel 100% restful during my sit, then mm, I'm not quite fully here. I'm not totally doing this right. Or, uh, like, you know, what, what can I root out of me in order to like, really, really um, fully be here. So um, I started to notice a lot of these aspects of my inner world, my inner self-talk, my inner emotional life, you know, the, mm, the uh, parts of me that were still asking for healing, still asking for care and attention. And I remember just kind of feeling a little lost for a period of my practice path, just really not sure what to do with what it was I was becoming aware of. And then um, wonderfully, and over the years of my practice, I have these moments where I get really humbled and really blown away by how meditation or the Dharma works. You know, sometimes when we're at a certain crossroads in our practice path, we stumble into a certain sit, we stumble into maybe a retreat, we sit with a teacher, we get exposed to um, a Dharma book or even like a podcast or a Dharma talk on audio. And it just seems to be the medicine that our practice is really requiring or really asking for. It just seems to be like that next step that we 
do know that we need consciously or we don't know <laughs> even that we need consciously at times. And that happened for me. Um, I was really first in that moment introduced to the teachings and the practices of the heart, particularly, particularly metta, particularly loving kindness. And I remember during the first sit of loving kindness that I experienced, I um, noticed that when I was offering myself those phrases um, of well-being, these phrases of kindness, these phrases of love, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, may I be healthy, may I truly, truly feel a sense of well-being, may I feel well, may I be okay. Um, there is something undeniably helpful there, just something undeniably good and good-hearted. And uh, from there, I was really able to understand that from um, my own, like a bigger practice perspective, uh, what the, and especially in Tibetan Buddhism, we've referred to these two wings of, of practice or these two wings of the Buddhist view, the wing of wisdom in our practice and the wing of the heart or the wing of compassion. And I realized that really the next step in my practice path was to start to apply the heart, apply kindness, apply ca uh, compassion to what it was I was encountering in my own heart and mind. And, you know, it's a little tricky and a little nuanced, right? Because fundamentally, we don't necessarily want to change our experience. We're not wishing for things to be other than what they are. And we're also um, inviting in perhaps a more graceful, a, a wiser, a more skillful way of being with whatever is, is there. You know what I mean? Like we're kind of dancing at times as practitioners between radically being there, being um, okay with what is, accepting of what is, allowing for what is. But then also perhaps leaning back at times in like this bigger, more wholesome view and saying, is there a way for me to meet myself, meet uh, this conversation, this circumstance, this situation with a little bit more grace, a little bit more skillfulness? So um, loving kindness in particular was the way that I really started to understand that I could meet the content of my practice in um, a way that was long-term more helpful. And it's really when I look back and I noticed that my practice started to transform quite a bit and, and really blossom into its next evolution and chapter. Um, I also was uh, had the great fortune of conducting clinical research um, for many years at UCSF up in San Francisco, where I um, was part of a health psychology laboratory where we were studying the clinical effects of mindfulness and meditation and stress reduction. And one of my colleagues at the time, uh, Dr. Clifford Sarin, who is a wonderful neuroscientist, longtime Buddhist practitioner as well, uh, he told me this story where he um, shared that early on in his research career, he and his team were going into the Himalayas to study uh, some of the effects of meditation on a group of monks in one of the oldest monasteries in this part of the Himalayas. 
And at this particular monastery, they uh, invited the monks in starting at the age of seven. So um, this monastery was a long, like a long form place of practice where the monks would grow up and, and dedicate their entire lives to the teachings of, of the Buddha. And so he and his team of researchers arrived to this monastery and were about to conduct clinical research on the effects of meditation. Um, and being that they were neuroscientists, of course, they were going to also study the effects of meditation, perhaps on the brain and on the mind. So they were about to um, start up their study and they were demonstrating to the school, the group of monks, you know, what they were about to do in uh, their, their research there. And one of the neuroscientists was showing the, the group of monks, okay, when I place these EEGs on my mind and my brain, um, you know, this is, this is how we're going to be studying the effects of meditation on the brain through the brain waves, through the EEG brain waves. And one of the monks um, raised his hand as the demonstration of brain waves was happening. And he asked the interpreter there, he goes, you know, what can you ask the scientists, what are they exactly wanting to research? What are they exactly wanting to come to know and to understand? And the interpreter turned to the, the, the scientists and asked the question. And um, the scientists giving the demonstration of the brainwaves to the monks said, well, you know, we're trying to understand the effects of meditation on your brain. And the interpreter relayed that response back to the school, the group of monks. And uh, the next thing you know, there's a roar of laughter <laughs> that starts to arise. And they're all talking amongst themselves about the, about the response. And um, the monk who had raised his hand turns back around to the interpreter and to the scientists and said, well, if you really want to um, measure the effects of meditation on the brain, then you need to put those EEG nodes, those nodes, right here and he pointed towards the heart <laughs> um when dr clifford saren shared that story with me and it was actually right around the same time uh, of being exposed to loving kindness practice this all was happening for me around the same six months of, of my meditation practice path I really just started to more deeply understand that, especially from a traditional perspective, we are, again, always kind of toggling between these two opportunities to not only have our attention in the present moment in a full on, a wholehearted way, but to do so with kindness, to do so with that open heartedness. Um, the traditional word for this is chitta. Anyone heard this before? Chitta awareness, chitta consciousness. Yeah. Chitta is the Pali word for heart-minded or mind or mind-hearted, right? And so as practitioners, we really have this opportunity to um, maybe engage in our practice in a way where we are again incorporating these qualities of the mind and these qualities of the heart moment to moment, step by step in our practice. The Brahma Viharas um, or the four heart qualities 
of mindfulness meditation are really the Buddha's path, the Buddha's teachings, um, almost like a roadmap for how to apply the heart in our practice and in our daily lives. From a maybe a more secular or even modern view, I actually really love thinking about the four foundations of mindfulness as you know the, the starting ground of practice for the wisdom wing of our meditation practice. And then the Brahma Viharas is the, the ground, the, the set of teachings and a foundational way for the heart. Um, the Brahma Viharas, they do work independently, meaning the four qualities of loving kindness or metta, compassion, karuna, appreciative joy, mudita, or upekka, equanimity. They do work uh, holistically together, but as many of us may know, we can engage with these qualities of the heart independently as well, right? During that first loving kindness practice, we weren't touching fully upon equanimity or compassion. We were really spending time in that vein, that technique of loving kindness. So we can approach the Brahma Viharas maybe one at a time. We can approach mm -hmm even the bigger view of the Brahma Viharas of that chitta consciousness, that chitta awareness, may I, in a sense, meet each moment with that open-heartedness, that heart-minded approach to my practice and to my life. Um, but we can also train systematically, again, in, in the Brahma Viharas. I wanted to offer a couple of reflections on loving kindness in particular too before um, we move into our community conversation and also of course hear from Casey on what his thoughts or reflections are on the heart or the Brahma Viharas. Um, but Metta is the first of the Brahma Viharas taught classically. And um, I really appreciate that the fact that it is the first foundation, so to speak, of the heart, because much like mindfulness, kindness is something that's just very naturally um, available to us at times as human beings. Um, I do know and I understand personally that kindness can feel really far away from ourselves, especially towards, towards the self. Um, but when we sit back and we really kind of settle into, you know, perhaps the view or the trust and the confidence in our practice that we all as human beings come into this life or born into this life with the capacity to be aware, with the capacity to be mindful. From the clinical research perspective, this is called dispositional mindfulness, actually, like we all can, um, can measure the natural ability for us to have our attention anchored in the present moment, moment. Some of us come in with high dispositional mindfulness into this life. Maybe there's some good Dharma karma from the past. Um, and some of us come in with, you know, maybe medium to low dispositional mindfulness, just, you know, um, the mind feels, the mind is jumpy or it, it hasn't quite established that sense of home or that sense of presence in the present moment. Um, but our loving kindness practice reminds us too that kindness is intrinsic to who we are as human beings. It took me a while to really like 
settle into this, to really open my own heart and mind to this principle of practice, this maybe this Dharma, this truth that, um, you know, kindness, just like our mindfulness, it's truly, truly here. It's that innate response that we have um, as human beings when we're also working with, with compassion. You know, we see somebody suffering, we see somebody dropping their bag of groceries on the street. And, you know, when we see that happening, we, we automatically want to move into like response or helpfulness, or we want to make sure that they're okay, or we scan the situation to make sure that help is on the way. Somebody's there to help them pick up their groceries, for example. Um, and even uh, applying, you know, medical care to ourselves. For instance, if we get a cut or a scrape and we put on that healing ointment or put that bandage on and we kind of tend to our wounds or, a, you know, cut from the kitchen knife that happens when we're cooking from time to time, that is our intrinsic kindness coming through, just that automatic response of the heart. And the Brahma Viharas and loving kindness in particular is that is that training to bring us back to the heart practices, that wing of the heart. And we do this by actually engaging with, with chitta. And this is what I love about loving kindness so much is we, especially through the classic way of practicing the repetition of the phrases, there's a few ways to practice loving kindness. You know, Casey um, instructs a beautiful body-based loving kindness meditation that we went through on our retreat this past weekend. We can imagine or visualize loving kindness in the heart and love like emanating out from our heart centers or at different places in the body. But one of the classical ways to practice loving kindness, especially here in the West, is by that repetition of these wholesome phrases. Almost like these seeds, I like to think of loving kindness as these seeds of potential that we're dropping in into the field of the mind and the heart. And when we're repeating those phrases, may I, you know, may I be happy? May I feel peaceful? May I feel wholesome? May I feel well? May I be free from suffering, free from harm? We really are, um, in a sense, uh, dropping in this seed of opportunity to to invite in these these healing qualities into um, our practice, and this is happening though through the mind. So, when we're practicing with the loving kindness phrases, we're also automatically practicing with that chitta, that heart-minded way of being. For some of us, I know for me, during that first loving kindness sit, I had a moment where, yes, the practice was undeniably helpful and undeniably um, uh, very healing to me. But fast forward like two minutes later, I also had a moment where I was like, this feels really awkward <laughs> <laughs> to be repeating and sending these wishes like, you know, may I be happy? Have I ever wished myself happiness before? Do I really want to be happy today? You know, it really kind of opened up these like more existential questions um, that I worked with for the period of time after after I was first learning loving kindness. Um, but uh, what's helpful for those of us who who encounter that where we don't feel the kindness or the compassion at times in our practice, 
where we feel like the the phrases are a little bit more mechanical, you know, like, oh, I'm just sitting here wishing myself happiness, wishing myself peace, wishing myself freedom from suffering. I don't know if I actually feel it embodied in an embodied way in the field of the body and the heart. Um, leaning back into that awareness, ah, just by repeating these phrases in the mind, I'm actually orienting the mind towards the heart, right? I'm engaging in chitta. I'm engaging in chitta consciousness and chitta awareness. And, you know, um, I want to hear what Casey thinks in just a moment and just offer um, uh, or have Casey offer some of his reflections, of course, too. But there's something that I really find, especially when it comes to practicing with the heart, um, to be helpful, which is leaning back in the trust, the greater trust in our Dharma practice, the greater trust in these teachings, these sets of teachings, these paths of practice, that when I engage with the four foundations of mindfulness for a consistent amount of time, I will in some way, shape or form in my own way, find that sense of home, find that sense of grounding, find that sense of hereness in the present moment, even if it's just for a split second in meditation. And then same with the heart, you know, can we extend that same sort of trust that leaning back into our practice, the, the leaning back into our um, innate wisdom, leaning back into the Dharma in that same way and say, maybe if I give my loving kindness or my heart practices a chance, maybe if I keep being open and willing to send myself these seeds of, of potential in my mind, may I be happy, if not today, then someday soon, then we also give our practice a chance to really come in. We, we give the loving kindness a chance to really come in and meet us in a genuine and, and timely, relevant way. So um, I want to land for now um, around just the, I guess, also the deep need at times to engage with qualities of trust, faith, confidence in our practice, especially when it comes to the Brahma Viharas or the heart practices of mindfulness meditation. One of the ways I like to also encourage myself down the practice, the practice path of the heart is to remember that the heart work <laughs> is also um, the hard work of meditation, but just because it's the hard work of our practice doesn't negate that it is also the heart work, the heartful work that um, we're being asked to do at times. And also in the words of um, the great late Thich Nhat Hanh, um, his phrase, no mud, no lotus. Mm -hmm. I think the path of the heart really gives us that opportunity to understand that it will it will be hard. It will be so human. It will be real. It will be messy. But the heart practices also give us that strength, that tenacity, that resilience to keep going, to keep moving through the mud of our own humanness um, so we can really establish our own relationship to chitta, our own relationship to being heart-minded. 
So Casey, I'd love to hear your thoughts and reflections. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for all of that. Wonderful. I just have a yeah a couple of thoughts because I do want to maybe break up and, and yeah. do some some group activity. But um, I really like your emphasis on you were telling this story of like when you were you know first moving into your practice and coming into contact with with mindfulness and then like what do I do with all this mindfulness like what do I do with what I'm being mindful of I think is how you worded it and I really love that like because mindfulness if we're, if we're just learning about mindfulness it could it could feel very passive like oh let everything in let everything out whatever like what 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 is this what do I what do I do with this and and what do we do with it if we can move towards kindness like I love that quote by Autumn Tupton how do I know if I'm progressing he was just so fast how do I know if I'm progressing kindness that was it like how is if your is if your path if your practice is he wasn't talking about concentration samadhi like single pointed focus how do you know if you're progressing kindness so he's so fast to that but like applied mindfulness, okay, I'm awake, I'm aware, what do I do with that? You know, if we can move towards kindness, once we're awake and aware, just like the meditation today, where, you know, can we offer gentleness to whatever's arising here in this moment, like to our body, to our feeling tones, mm -hmm. to, to the mind, to phenomena, to sound, something like this. And one thing I've noticed <clears throat> within my myself is just how, how fast my, uh, loving kindness is when it, it in regards to happiness and the relief of suffering. Like I was, I was running the other day and it was super hot. And, um, and so I was running and as I was, as I was running, I saw this, this worker, he was standing outside of his truck and he had just um, piled up his truck with a whole bunch of like, uh, like a, like he took down a tree or something like a tree and branch and branches and brush. And he, and he was just, I think he was just like um, kind of tying it off, you know, and he was just kind of standing back and he's just like dripping sweat. It's just like so, so hot. It was such you know, labor intensive work, you know? And as I got close to him, I just kind of looked at him and he looked at me and I just stopped and gave him a fist bump, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, did you do all that? And he's like, He's like, yeah. I was like, good job. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, you're the man like that. And he gave me such a sincere, thank you. Like I am the man. Like I was like, dude, I mean, it was such labor intensive work. It was super hot, you know, and I was really feeling that I was feeling like, like way to go. Like that's mm -hmm. kick ass, you know? And uh, so then I just continued running and, you know, I felt good. I felt good that I was able to give him that compliment. I felt, uh, um, you know, I think it felt good for him to receive that, that compliment. It, it was instant. It was, it was instant up, you know, it was uplifting instantly. So when you talk about the practice and the relief of suffering and happiness and, you know, this whole path and all this stuff for me, you know, small acts of generosity and even internal kindness. If I could look at some, something, even like a social media thing, like if I see somebody, and I offer them kindness or, you know, compassion. You know, I might see something that's endearing or, or whatnot. They, the mind transformation, like the chitta, you know, I like, I mean, the Tibetans would call it like the heart mind stream, 
I like that term, like you're dropping in kindness into the stream of your heart mind. You know, for me, it's like this instantaneous way for us to to transform the mind in into positive, um, you know, a positive environment, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, it's just a really it's just such a tremendous practice. And 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 you know, to piggyback on what you've been saying today, it's like if we get in the habit of noticing what's arising, noticing what's here, and then therefore having the choice to direct the mind one way or the other and moving, moving and choosing, you know, going into the heart, then we're just connecting moment upon, you know, moment of, of this kind of continuous, you know, mind stream of generosity and kindness. And, and that's just a beautiful way to live, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a beautiful way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have something maybe you want to connect with for the small groups? I'll put us in the small groups. So the invitation as we move into small groups together, um, groups of two or three, Casey? Uh, let's do, let's do like three, three or four, three or four? depending okay, on how great. it works out here. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how many people. Um, so as we move into small groups, the invitation is to share with each other your own past or current relationship to kindness or to any of the heart practices of, of mindfulness med meditation or the Brahma Viharas, um, how have you engaged with kindness in your practice up until this point? Or how do you feel inspired to engage with loving kindness, compassion, or any Brahma Vihara practice, appreciative joy and equanimity being the other two moving forward? What's alive for you? in your heart and mind around the heart practices or around loving kindness or around how to engage with the quality of the heart. Okay. Sound good? Yes. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have about, yeah, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have about 15 minutes or so. Great. Awesome. Cool. Hey, welcome back everybody. Um, okay. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Any anyone want to share with the larger group what was coming up for them? Uh yeah, Rick. I wanted to ask speak a little bit louder because we don't have our thing okay, today. Thanks, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to ask if either of you have had situations when you're sharing the um kindness practices where you've had people that you know the starting point is they had to be happy. Mm -hmm. Some people have not had happy in their lives. Mm -hmm. How do you get them to that point? You know, where mm -hmm. they can relate to that. This is the very foundation of what we're doing, right? So, I, I had a situation where somebody was a little you know, what revealed is that she was she just said had really, really, really hard life. You know, and didn't couldn't find a happy moment to relate to because she didn't feel it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how would you? Help somebody like that. Thank you. So for those people here on on Zoom, like I don't know how much you could hear. So uh, you know, Rick was saying, is that what if you're offering loving kindness practices to people and and they have a hard time finding even uh, one small instance of when they felt happy? You know, so if you're asking them to to recall that, um, what what would we what would we do? So mm. I'll let 
Amanda go first there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate this being brought in just immediately to open up our conversation because um, when we are engaging with loving kindness in our within our own practice and or we are practicing in a group or maybe some of us are facilitating loving kindness meditations if we are facilitators or, or teachers, um, it can be essential to understand personally and more broadly that uh, it's quite normal for, for present time human beings, for contemporary human beings to feel very far away from the genuine wish to be happy or to feel very far away from any kind of relationship with kindness or self-kindness. So I first, I first always like to encourage a moment of like normalizing that that um, to even reflect for each of us um, recently, maybe in the past, or even in our own practice path, a moment where it just felt so difficult, so, um, so out of reach to really come into contact with warmth or kindness or generosity towards, towards ourselves. So we can really empathize with um, the individual who's bringing this up or going through that in, in real time. And what I, what I share is the option or perhaps the invitation to, um, to invite in the, orient, the reorientation from if we're not able to feel loving kindness in this moment, if we're not able to feel it tangibly in our own hearts, our bodies, or our minds, to take that step back and even try on the, I like to call it like the compassion hat or, um, you know, think of uh, an inner compassionate coach or an a, a, like a best friend, a dear friend who would be offering us empathy and compassion and take on the view that maybe even mentally, you know, this is where we lean into the chitta mentally, maybe somewhere deep down inside of me, I know that it would be helpful to open up the possibility to touch into these helpful qualities of the heart, of the desire to be free from suffering, the desire to be um, able to feel a sense of warmth or welcoming towards my own self, um, uh, the desire for, for happiness and health and peace and ease. So if the doorway isn't into, if the doorway um, of loving kindness isn't through like the uh, feeling of it, like I just can't feel kindness, I can't feel happiness, I can't get in touch with that authentic wish for myself to be happy and to be free. Um, then I like to take that step back and even just turn it into a contemplation or a, a, a more of a mental inquiry. Um, can I even see myself through the eyes of another, through the eyes of compassion, through the eyes of a, of a dear friend or a family member who I know that they want me to be happy? Mm -hmm. So if we can tap into more a more universal idea or desire, wish for happiness then sometimes that can help us open up the possibility that we can feel happy if not today, then someday soon too. So thank you. Those are those are my thoughts and reflections. Casey, anything to add? That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Sure. Is that legal? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Is like I was up against that wall too. Sometimes I just like feel good, and it's like, how could you like meditating not feel good? And sometimes you know, I felt really great meditating, 
Um, I just use my mind because if somebody can tell you over and over again, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, you can start to believe it. Like the, the power of, of thought, basically, or you can tell yourself, I'm just going to walk down. You, you begin to believe it, you sink lower. So I just use, since like grade four is one of like the highest vibratory sort of um, days, I just say over and over again, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful mm -hmm. in my mind, like over and over again. And as I did that, I just felt like warmth just start to wash over me and then flood my heart. It was like really kind of strange. <laughs> I'm not, kind of strange, but they could try that. So I'll summarize for the Zoom people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Stephanie here was was talking about the power of gratitude. Like when the when the when the mind's not really able to enter into this explicit loving kindness to um you to you to use gratitude to to kind of help facilitate some warmth. Like heavy repetition. Heavy repetition, she was saying. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. All right. So actually, I just want to respect everyone's time. I know we only had like one one share from the, from the big group, but I want to respect everyone's time. So we only have a couple minutes left. And be, before um, we end, there's a couple things I don't want to forget. For one, Amanda and I are going to do a retreat uh, in Miami, actually. Um, you want to say a couple words about that? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we are doing, Casey and I are hosting a non-residential five-day retreat in the heart of Miami, Florida after the new year. So uh, the dates are, I believe, January 11th to January 15th. And it's at um, a very beautiful practice space and community called the Modern Om uh, Bungalow, where it's the practice space is connected to a great local um, village or shopping center just with coffee, tea, juice, you know, juice bars, et cetera. Anyway, all that to say, it's a very supportive practice environment. And we're going to be going into um, uh, the focus of clarity, connection, and really leaning into how our practice can support us and set the foundation for the upcoming year, the brand, the brand new year that we just stepped into. So uh, I'm dearly excited because um, it's always such an honor and privilege to co-facilitate with Casey. Oh. So I'm yeah, already I'm already excited for January. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's gonna be super fun. Yeah. And then um, yeah, so we'll share the link for that and whatnot. And then also too, just a reminder that um, for the people here, we have some copies of Amanda's amazing book. And then of course you can get this online to Kindness Now. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's really great. A little subtitle here, 28 day guide to living with authenticity, intention, and compassion. Yeah. It's really wonderful. So, so yeah, I just want to thank you again, Amanda. Thank you so uh, much for coming. You, yeah, I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, let's just move into our meditation posture one last time and we will dedicate the merit. Yes. Uh, it's always amazing talking about the heart and doing heart-based practices and kind of coming full circle on this. Like when we started our meditation and we talked about how rare it is to be able to sit and turn inward, really congratulating yourselves for showing up. I'm always amazed people showing up when the, you have so many other options. So really giving yourself a pat on the back. 
And then being able to do this with a group of amazing people, it's so, so, so rare. And so just wishing others in our lives, maybe really individual people that may be suffering and knowing how much the Dharma has worked for you. And sometimes we just wish with the utmost sincerity that we could pass along this wisdom to others that may be suffering. And so doing this through our intention, just wishing to impart any goodness that came about today, individually and collectively, just wishing that our brothers, our sisters, our friends, family members, our community, our entire planet, may somehow, some way, it be infused in the heart, mind, the chitta of all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings be happy, truly, truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Omani Pemion. You have just listened to a recording from Inside LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.